Thank you much, Dave. Brittany, appreciate that. You know, I always appreciate folks that are ready to fill in the gap. And uh, it was supposed to be Miss Jen and Brittany singing this morning. And uh, since uh, Jen was unable to be here, Dave filled in the gap. Dave, you did good, brother. You did good. But, uh, man, appreciate folks that are willing to just fill in the gap and take over, cover each other. Boy, I tell you what, I love the family of God. I'll just say before I get into the message this morning, if you're here and you're not a part of the family of God, you're missing out. You're missing out. There's nothing better than being a part of the family of God. I love my physical family. Uh, we was able to go yesterday. My parents have a family picnic uh, every year in August, and we went there to my mom and dad's in Hillsville yesterday, and we enjoyed the family picnic, enjoyed being around our physical family. But I'm telling you what, there is nothing like the family of God. There's nothing like the brothers and sisters that you have in the family of God. And I'm glad to be part of the family of God. We'll be in Acts chapter number 13 this morning. Acts chapter number 13 this month. As I said, we've been looking at the subject of missions. Uh, we've considered why we have a missions program. Uh, last Sunday we looked at uh, why we should be involved in giving financially to support missions. Uh, and this morning I want to look at some characteristics of those uh, who are called into missions. In Acts chapter number 13 we have the record of the call of the first two missionaries that were sent out uh, by the local church. And in this record of these two men, uh, we find a description of these men that I believe give us some indication as to the spirituality of these men and provide an example of how we as Christians should live our life if we also desire to be used to the Lord. I've titled this message, The Making of of a missionary. But I believe that these markers that we're going to look at this morning uh, ought to be present in the life of every Christian regardless of the area that God has called them to serve. Uh, you know that God can use you and He can use you extensively and successfully in any area of life you are at. Uh, you do not have to be surrendered uh, to take the gospel uh, to some island that's never seen uh, a white man. You don't have to be called to do that. You don't have to be called uh, to pastor a church and give up uh, your job and these things. You don't have to be called to do that to be used of God. But you do have to be surrendered to be used of God in whatever area He has placed you in. And there are many uh, who if they are surrendered, as we will see when we look at these people's life, if they are surrendered uh, in the area God has placed them in, uh, there is a great chance that God will continue to open open doors for them to be used in bigger and bigger capacities for the cause of Christ. Now I will admit as I start into this message, I hesitated to preach this message. I even argued with the Lord a little bit about preaching this message. And it's really a sobering thought while I, while I argued. I said, Lord, I'm preaching a message and in the message I'm telling people how they can be used of God in bigger ways than they're being used now. I said, Lord, my fear is that people are so steeped in their desire to live for themselves and they're so steeped in their desire to pursue their own selfish interests 
that in preaching this message and in showing them how to be qualified to do more for God, instead of challenging their heart to be surrendered and submitted to God, they are going to want to walk away from God because they don't want to run the chance of God interrupting the plans that they have for their life. I said, Lord, I'm not sure if I ought to preach this or not. The Lord said to me, he said, there are some that that's how they're going to take it. But there's also some that want to do bigger and better things for me. He said, you preach the message because there are some who are interested in knowing what they can do. They have turned their back to self. They have turned their back to the pursuits of this world. And they are interested in getting after me. So you preach the message for those that are interested in serving me. And it is my prayer that if there are those in this congregation today who are so steeped in self-interest that this message would cause you to turn from God then it is my prayer that you will see those who get on fire for God and recognize the coldness of your heart and pray that God will release you from the bonds of sin and Satan and this world that is keeping you from being everything you can be for God. This world likes to tell us that they have more to offer than God does. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that God can bestow more blessings on your life than you ever imagined possible if you will simply submit yourself to Him. His plan is probably different than yours. Where He will take you is probably not where you plan to go. What He will accomplish with you is probably not what you thought you would be. But I guarantee if you submit yourself to Him, you will live a better, more blessed life than you ever imagined possible. So as we move into this message of the making of a missionary, it is my prayer that as you listen to the message, you will say, Lord, help me develop these characteristics in my life that I might be used of you. As I said a little bit ago, every person who is a Christian is a missionary. Every person who has put their belief on the Lord Jesus Christ has been called to take the gospel to those that have never heard. So this morning it is my challenge to you that wherever you're at and however this applies to you, that you will say, Lord, let me be a person who is carrying the gospel to those that have never heard. Here in Acts 13, we find some characteristics of the first two missionaries. And I believe these characteristics contributed to their success in spreading the gospel around the world. We're going to read in Acts 13, starting in verse number 1. It says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menain, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you, dear Lord, that you have called us 
into the ministry. I thank you, dear Lord, that you entrusted us with the responsibility of taking the gospel to the world. I thank you, dear Lord, that you found us worthy, the Lord, of partaking of your great work. And now, Father, I pray as we look at this message that, Father, Lord, we will look at ourselves and we will examine ourselves, and, Lord, we will see if we are living our lives in a way that, Father, we can be effective as spreading the gospel in the world around us. And, Father, I pray that you will bless us. Now, thank you, dear Lord, for the day. Thank you, Lord, for the Sunday school hour. Thank you, Lord, for the good lesson. Thank you, Lord, for the good singing. Thank you, Lord, for those that are here. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be part of the family of God. Bless now the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts, that we will be receptive, and Lord, that it will be our desire to hear from you, Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness to us. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Here in this passage, we read of Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul were two men who were called of God and they were sent out by the church for the purpose of spreading the gospel into the regions beyond Jerusalem and Antioch. This is what Christ had told the disciples that they were to do and the church at Jerusalem was established, the church at Antioch was established and now it is time to send some people out to take the gospel beyond into the regions beyond as God had called them to do. And in verses 1 through 4 I see some characteristics in the life of Barnabas and Saul that I believe qualified them for the work uh, that God had called them to do and contributed to their success uh, in carrying uh, the gospel. And I believe we can see in their example some spiritual markers that I believe ought to be found in the life of every Christian uh, who seeks uh, to reach their family, who seeks to reach their friends, uh, who seeks to be a Christian influence on their job. I believe that these markers uh, ought to be found in your life. And so the first thing that we see about these men as we dive into this passage of scripture is that before they were sent to carry the gospel around the world there were some things that were already true about their life. You know sometimes you will meet someone who is in the church but who is doing nothing for God except warming the pew. They are not faithful to God. They are not sold out to God but they have this thing that, that maybe someday God will call me to be a missionary. Well let me tell you God will never call you to do some great work until you prove yourself faithful in the small things. But he that is faithful in little shall be given much. And so we want to be faithful in the little things. And there's some things that were true about Barnabas and Saul before they were ever called to take the gospel around the world. The first thing that we see in verse number 1 of Acts chapter 13 is that Barnabas and Saul were involved in the local Ministry. Before they were ever called to be missionaries, they were involved in the local ministry. It says there in verse number one, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, then you drop to the end of the verse, and Saul. There's two things I see about these men right here concerning being involved in the local ministry. The first thing that I see is that they were in the church. You need to underline those three words in your Bible. Highlight those three words and remember that before you can be used of God inside the church, you need to first be found in the church. I mean, it is in the church is where you get started. It is in the church that you will find the blessing of God. It is in the church that you will find the leading of God. These men were involved in local ministry. How? First of all, they were involved by being in the 
church. The church is the central hub. It is the organization that God established for the purpose of sending the gospel around the world. God loves the local church. God gave his life for the local church. I have to tell you there is nothing on this earth that God loves more than he loves the local church. You look in the New Testament and you will find that everything outside of the gospels was written for the benefit of the local church. God believes in the local church and if you want to be used of God, the place to get started is in the church. Now you can be a Christian, you can be a believer and not be faithful to church. You can. But you're never going to be used of God until you get in the church. And you say, well, Pastor John, I'm here now. Don't go there. You know what I mean. Does the church identify you? Does the activities of the church dictate your life? Does the church's calendar precede your personal calendar? Are you in the church? Are you a part of the church? Do you, uh, this, this, this church is a living, breathing organi- organism. Are you part of that living, breathing organism? Or are you a leech hanging on the outside? Are you in the church? If you're going to be used to God, you've got to be in the church. If you want to be used of God in reaching the world, the place you start is by getting ingrained into his church. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 15, Paul was talking about a man by the name of Stephanus. And he said, Stephanus and his household, this would be his family, Stephanus and his family, they have addicted themselves to the ministry. Paul said, I want to tell you about somebody. I want to send my, I want to send my, my hello, you know how we say, tell so-and-so hello. Paul said, I'm sending my hello to Stephanus. Uh, he said he and his family have addicted themselves uh, to the ministry. Now, there's a lot of addictions uh, in this world. I've been accused of being addicted to coffee. I don't know if it's true or not, but I do enjoy my coffee. Uh, uh, but uh, as far as I know, uh, drinking a lot of coffee is not uh, too harmful. Uh, actually, they say it can be good for you. But there are some addictions. Uh, we know that some folks are addicted to alcohol, some folks are addicted to tobacco, some folks are addicted to different types of drug abuse, uh, and these are things that that their body uh, develops a a craving for, and that craving controls them, and many times uh, these addictions can be very harmful and destructive uh, because they alter their life uh, in a negative way. Well, when Paul was speaking about Stephanus and his family, he used that term addicted. He said Stephanus and his family have addicted themselves to the ministry. Do you know what that means? It means that Stephanus and his family had such a craving to be a part of the ministry that it altered their lifestyle. It changed the way they lived. They couldn't get away from it. Every time it was available, they wanted to be a part of it. It altered who they were. It altered how they behaved. But unlike the drugs and tobacco and alcohol, it didn't have a bad effect. It had a positive effect because they were addicted to the ministry. Whenever I say that you need to be in the church, this is what I'm talking about. You need to be addicted to the ministry. It needs to 
alter who you are, the church, and what goes on at the church ought to be something that you crave, that you desire, that you can't get away from. It ought to alter who you are. You ought to be addicted to the things of God. You want to do big things for God? Be addicted to his house. That's how you can do big things for God. These people were so engulfed with the church that Paul said, they're addicted to it. They can't stay away. They just crave. They want to do more, be involved more, attend more, serve more. They're addicted to the church. They were in the church. We see that Barnabas and Saul, the Bible says, that they were in the church. But the second thing I see about Barnabas and Saul is that not only were they in the church, but they were serving in the church. Not only were they there, but they were serving. It says in verse number 1, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. And the verse goes on to name who these people were. Not only was Barnabas and Saul in the church, but Barnabas and Saul was busy serving in the church. Barnabas and Saul were busy preaching. Barnabas and Saul were busy teaching. Barnabas and Saul were busy mentoring. They were busy discipling. They were busy helping one another. They were busy strengthening the church. Not only were they in the church, but they were serving in the church. Once at one time, myself and a friend of mine was putting a roof on a house, and we was up on the roof, and we were hammering some nails down, and a guy came to the bottom of the ladder, and he said, hey, hey, and so we like, yes, sir, can we help you? He said, uh, I live right over there in that house right there. You can see it. We said, yes, sir. He said, uh, windstorm last night blew some shingles off my house. I was wondering if you guys could come fix them. We're like, oh, we're in the middle of this project right now. He's like, I'll be happy to pay you. And I forget what he paid us, but he said, I'll be happy to pay you. Here's what I'll pay you if you all come fix those shingles. We're like, all right, give us just a second. We came down. We walked across the field, climbed up on his roof, fixed his shingles. He paid us, and he said to us this. He said, I have learned in my years of living here on this earth that if you want something done, go find somebody that's doing something. He said, you get far better results to find somebody that's doing something and ask them to do something than you are to call somebody that's sitting on the couch and motivate them up off of the couch. If you want something done, find somebody that's doing something. And you know what? This applies to the work of the Lord. Whenever God is looking for somebody to do His work, He's not looking to come roust you up off the couch and get you to put your video game down and get you to log off Facebook. No, God is looking for somebody who is already busy in the work of the Lord. And if you are are busy, he's going to come and say, hey, since you're busy here, let me show you another place that I can use you. These men were not only in the church, but they were serving in the church. They weren't just filling pews. They were busy working for the Lord. There's more we can say there. But in addition to being involved in the local church, not only were they involved, but secondly, I see that they were sincere and their personal commitment. What qualified these men to be missionaries? Not only were they involved in the local church, but they were sincere in their personal commitment. You know, there are those who are involved in the church, but it's just for show. Whenever they leave the church and they're at home and they're by themselves, there's no personal relationship between them and the Lord. Not only were these men involved in the church, these men were sincere in their personal commitment. It says in verse number 2, 
as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. These men had a personal relationship with the Lord. Their involvement wasn't just for show. They weren't in this for the praise of men. Uh, their motivation uh, was not the desire for position, promotion, or recognition. Uh, these men were involved in the local church uh, as a result uh, of their personal commitment uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know what? You, you, can, you can mark this down as being true. A personal commitment to the Lord will result in a love for the house of God. A personal relationship with the Lord will result in a love for the house of God. Remember that I said the Lord loves the church. If God's going to meet with His people, He's going to meet with His people in the church. If God's going to send the gospel around the world, He's going to do it out of His church. God loves the church. And a personal relationship with God means that through His Word and through prayer and through listening to preaching, I begin to know and understand the heart of God. And as I begin to know and understand the heart of God, and I begin to get drawn closer to the heart of God, God, I begin to understand what motivates the heart of God. And the things that motivates the heart of God and the things that God loves begin to be the things that motivate me and begin to be the things that I love. So in other words, if I develop a personal relationship with God, God loves the local church and God works through the local church and God puts His blessing upon the local church. So as I begin to know and understand the heart of God, through my personal relationship with God, I will naturally develop a love for the house of God. You can't resist it. It's natural. You love what He loves, and He loves the local church. Honestly, this is a little sobering. This hits a little hard. But I believe it's good to hit a little hard once in a while. You can measure... A person's sincerity in their relationship with God based on their love for the local church. You can, you can measure it. Now they might say, oh, but Pastor John, I just feel so much closer to God when I'm on the lake. <laughs> Pastor John, when I'm sitting in the woods in my tree stand and it's breaking daylight and the birds are chirping and the squirrels are barking, I feel closer to God than I've ever felt. And you know what? God created everything for us to enjoy. And there is no doubt in my mind, matter of fact, I have had some really good times of fellowship with the Lord in a tree stand or on the lakeside when the handiwork of God was displayed before me. And I want to say that God can minister to your soul through the, the seeing and experiencing the power of His creation. And you can have some good times of prayer and fellowship. But I want to say that nothing nothing, nothing will replace the way that God will meet with His people in His house. And if you are avoiding meeting with God in His house so that you can spend time on the lake or you can spend time in the tree stand or you can spend time at the ball game or wherever you're going instead of the house of God, let me tell you, you are trading out cheap because God is going to meet with His people in His house. That's 
where he's going to meet with his people. We need to be careful that we don't spiritualize our fleshly desires and justify neglecting our spiritual needs. Because God said, I'll meet with my people in my house. And if you have a personal relationship with God, there is something that will be evident in your life, and that is a love for the house of God. These men were sincere in their personal commitment. Then we see, thirdly, that these men were attentive to the voice of God. They were involved. They were involved. They were sincere. And they were attentive to the voice of God. Look here, the last part of verse number 2. The Bible says, The Holy Ghost said, They were ministering, they were fasting, they were seeking the Lord. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called. They're in the church. They're serving the Lord. They're maintaining a personal relationship with the Lord. And the Holy Ghost said that. You know a good way to hear the Holy Ghost? Get in his house, get in his word, and pay attention. The Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work where I'm going to whereunto I have called them. If you're going to be used of God, you must be attentive to the voice of God. You cannot possibly know what God desires of you if you're not listening to His instruction. You cannot possibly understand what God wants to do with your life if you're not listening to His instruction. Now, the Holy Spirit will guide us through inner nudging and direction. There's been many times that the Holy Spirit has nudged me. Many times. The Holy Spirit will nudge me and say, don't say that. Sometimes it's, most of the time it's those negative nudgings. (laughs) Don't say that. Don't do that. Shut your mouth. Don't send that. You know, I get a lot of those nudgings. You, You might too. Every now and again you get those other nudgings. Hey, be a blessing to this missionary. Sometimes you'll get practical nudgings. Uh, Don't take that route. Take this route. The Holy Spirit will guide you through nudgings. But the primary way that the Holy Spirit will reveal His desire, the primary way He will speak to His people is through the Word of God. This is the primary way He will speak to us. Is through His Word. You know why it's important that you get in the Bible every day? Because through His Word is how the Holy Spirit is going to speak to His people. The Holy Spirit will speak to His people through His Word. The Holy Spirit will speak to His people through listening to the preaching of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will take what is being said. You know what? This is a great comfort to me as a preacher. Because I know that I make a mess of things when I'm up here. I try my best. I honestly do. Y'all can give me that much. I really try my best, but I know I make a mess of things. I know I can be hard to follow and difficult to understand and that I say the wrong things. And, and sometimes I listen to myself. I'm like, man, if I, did I really say that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I hope nobody was listening when I said that. But you know what? A com- what's a comfort to me? is that the Holy Ghost can take my jumbled, frail attempt 
And he can communicate it to you in ways that fits exactly where you're living and exactly what you need in your life. Many times you'll sit there in the pew and you'll think, Wow, is the preacher been, been, been uh, eavesdropping? Does he have a camera in my house? How'd the preacher know to preach on this? No, the Holy Spirit communicated the message to fit your life. That's what's going on. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks to his people. The Holy Spirit will speak to his people through his word, through the preaching of his word. Barnabas and Saul were able to be involved in the spread of the gospel because they were listening to and for the Holy Ghost. But even more importantly, we see in verse number 4, not only were they attentive to the voice of God, but they were submitted to the call of God. You know what? There's sometimes that we hear the voice of God. There are sometimes in your personal devotions, God will speak to your heart. And you will know without a doubt that this is something that needs to change. This is something you ought to do. This is something you need to deal with. God will speak very clearly to your heart and you will know that God is talking to you or perhaps you're listening to a message and the Holy Spirit will take that message and through that message He will communicate to you something that you need to deal with in your life and you will hear the voice of God and you will know without a doubt that God is speaking to your heart about something that needs to happen in your life but the sad thing is often we fail to submit to the voice of God we hear it we know it but we hope the service is over soon so I can get in my car turn my radio on I can get talking to somebody and I can move past it and push it into the back of my mind so that it's no longer bothering me we hear the voice of God but we fail to submit to the call of God. We see that these men were able to be used of God because not only were they listening, but they were submitted. It says in verse number 4, So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed. The Holy Ghost said, here's what I want to happen. I want Barnabas and Saul to leave the comforts of the church at Antioch and I want them to take the gospel and get on a ship and I want them to go and spread the gospel in regions that have never heard. I want them to go. I want them to preach. This is what I want them to do. Now Barnabas and Saul had it pretty good. They were there at the church at Antioch. Paul taught to, or Saul taught the adult Sunday school class. Barnabas, he taught to young adults. I mean, they had it easy. They had it made. They were comfortable. I don't know if they really did okay I make that up but anyway they were there in the church they had places they were serving they had things that they were doing they had things that God had called them to they were comfortable they had established places to live and God said I want you to pull all that up and I want you to go and Barnabas Paul said let's go the Bible says in verse number 4 so they departed Amen. they submitted to the call of God if we're going to be used of God not only do we need to listen to God but whenever he speaks we need to obey now, I'm sure that Barnabas and Saul could have given hundreds of reasons why this wasn't a good idea. And you're like, oh, but surely it was a good idea. It's in the Bible. Yeah, you're looking at it from the other side. I'm sure they could have given hundreds of reasons why this wasn't a good idea. Maybe it wasn't a good time. Maybe it was the wrong time of year. Maybe there was some violence going on in one of those countries. Who knows? They could have given hundreds of reasons why this wasn't a good idea. I'm sure the people of the church could have given hundreds of ideas. Saul, I understand that the Lord wants you to go, but who's going to teach your Sunday school class? Yeah. Barnabas, I understand, but Barnabas, you're kind of like over the, the benevolence ministry here and nobody else has a heart like you, Brother Barnabas, uh, to be, oversee this benevolence ministry. Who are we going to get to oversee the benevolence ministry? There could have been hundreds 
of reasons why they shouldn't go. And you know what? Whenever God speaks to you, you may have hundreds of reasons why you shouldn't make this change or deal with this thing in your life. But if you want to be used of God, you've got to be submitted to the will of God. Submitted to the calling of God. And lastly, we find that they were devoted to the work of God. If you want to be used of God, you've got to be devoted to the work of God. It says in verse number 4, So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. If you study Paul's missionary journeys, you will find that they were anything but easy. He faced hardship, persecution, rejection, imprisonment, beating, shipwreck, anything but easy. But Paul continued in the work that God had called him to do. He never wavered. He remained faithful. In your area of service, wherever it may be, wherever it is that you serve, in your area of service, you're going to find that there will be times of discouragement. You'll find there'll be times not only of discouragement, but there'll be times when you feel completely, for lack of a better word, fed up. You'll find that those you are trying to minister to aren't responding the way that you feel they ought to. And you will, get to, you will get to the point that you begin to wonder, God, why did you even call me here? Whatever your area of service is, there's going to be times that you begin to feel that you're insignificant. You're going to feel that you're not capable. You're going to feel that you're underqualified. And you're going to meet someone who does whatever you do ten times better than you. And you're going to feel defeated because of it. You're going to run into all kinds of things that will cause you to want to quit. And you know what? Now, I understand that there are folks who step down from areas of service because of age or disability or things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But it saddens my heart whenever someone who is fully capable and qualified steps down from an area of service just because they're burnt out. You know what? It doesn't matter what God has called you to do. We need to be people who are dedicated to the service of God dedicated to the work of God. Paul was discouraged. Paul was disappointed. Paul was misunderstood. Paul was misrepresented. Many times Paul felt alone, unnoticed, and unappreciated. But his drive was not found in the praise of men. His motivation was not the acceptance of men. He served the Lord for the glory of God and it was for Him that He served. We have this saying here on the wall, by His grace and for His glory. And that is what motivates me. It is by His grace because there's nothing in me that makes it capable to qualify or to accomplish what God has called me to do. And so it's only by His grace that you're able to serve the Lord in whatever capacity you're in. And the reason that you're doing it is not for self-recognition. It's not for the praise of men. It's not for promotion here in this world. You're doing it for the glory of God. And whenever you have that mindset, you can remain dedicated to the work of the Lord regardless of what you may face. Knowing that God called you to whatever area of service you're in ought to be motivation enough to keep on doing what God has called you to do. And really it's pretty exciting if we take time to think about it because so often we just look at our own abilities. And we're like, God, 
why, why did you call me to this? I'm not able to do what you've called me to do. But we've got to take our eyes off our own abilities. And we've got to recognize that God has said that if we will simply do what He has called us to do, that He will provide us with the ability to accomplish things far beyond our scope and capability. So I understand that since God called me to this, I'm going to keep on doing it because although I in and of myself am completely incapable of being successful here, God in and of Himself can do great and mighty things that I never imagined possible. And God likes to work that way. You remember the story of Gideon. Gideon had 30,000 men. And God reduced that army to 300. Why did He reduce it to 300? Because He wanted there to be no question who won the victory. God likes to take people who are not humanly qualified so that when His work flourishes, there's no question who done the work. And when you think about that, it takes a lot of weight off of you because it is not I but Christ that is doing the work. This morning, how about you? Are you someone that God can use to spread the gospel? If you're a Christian, as we've said, you've been called to tell the world of the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. You've been given the responsibility of spreading the hope of the gospel. So often we fail to do what God has called us to do. As we get ready for the invitation, Miss Debbie's going to come. I'm going to ask you all to stand. I want to ask you to do a mental checkup. Do a mental checkup. And as you're standing there, I want you to ask yourself, am I involved? in the local ministry? Am I in the church? Am I serving in the church? You're like, Pastor John, I I don't know where to serve. I don't know how to serve. There are so many ways that you can be involved in the work of the Lord. Come see me. There's a list of things that you can do, and it's not just fixing windows and vacuuming floors. We ought to be discipling one another, encouraging one another, praying together, building one another up in the cause of Christ. Are you serving Are you involved in the local ministry? Ask yourself this, am I sincere in my personal relationship to Christ? Am I sincere in my personal commitment? Am I sincere in my personal walk with God? Ask yourself this, am I attentive to the voice of God? Am I listening for the voice of God? Have I got my ears tuned to what God may be saying to me? Ask yourself, am I submitted to the call of God. What I hear, do I act on it? What I hear, do I allow it to change my life? And then last of all, ask yourself, am I devoted to the work of God? Am I sold out to be a servant of God in whatever area of life He has placed me in? As Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart, you come.
playing softly there for a moment. You know, it's been said that the farther you are from God, the bigger you see yourself. But the closer you get to God, the smaller you recognize that you are. I'm not about forcing folks to come to the altar. You may have done business with God there in your seat. But I have no doubt in my mind that if you were halfway listening, God spoke to the hearts of people in this congregation today. But perhaps we're so far from God that we think we're okay. I find it interesting that the only person on the altar is someone that's involved in the work of God. Someone who has given their life to serving God. But they're on the altar saying, Lord, I need to be more involved. I need to be more submitted. I need to be more attentive. They recognize how small they are. You know the reason God can't speak to us? It's because it's 10 minutes after 12 and we're hungry. And we're more concerned about going home and eating their food than we are getting close to God. I'm telling you what, people, until you turn loose of yourself and your physical desires, God ain't never going to be able to use you. You say, Pastor, you sound mad. I'm not. I'm mad. My heart is broke for a generation of Christians that has no desire to serve God. This altar ought to be flooded. Every person in here ought to be on this altar saying, Oh God, I'm not doing enough for you. Every person in here ought to be on the altar saying, Oh God, I failed you. Oh God, I want to be used of you. You know what I told the Lord this morning? I said, I don't want to preach this because people are going to turn from you instead of turning to you. We gave the invitation and you turned from me. You did exactly what I was afraid you'd do. You turned from him. You said, I hear you, God. I hear you, but not me. I'm hungry. You know what? I haven't had anything to eat today. Not a single thing. Except that bottle of water I rarely eat on Sunday mornings. They're very busy and I don't have time. As soon as service is over, I'm getting with Brother Anthony. We're going over here to look at a piece of property. As soon as I'm done with that, I'm coming back here to set the school up so y'all can look at it this evening. Then I'll be up here for choir practice meeting the missionary to get his board set up. I might get a sandwich in today. I'm not trying to promote myself in front of you, but I'm saying, people, until you turn loose of your selfish self, God's never going to do nothing with you. You say, Pastor John, I don't like your attitude. I just have to tell you, it's for His glory. You want me to be honest with you? I never wanted to be a pastor. I told God many times, I don't want to be a pastor. I'll serve you wherever you want, but not pastor. God said, I want you to be a pastor. Spent a lot of time praying, Lord. Lord, I don't want to do this. He said, it's what I want you to do. 
I said, okay, God, if that's what you want, we'll do what you've called us to do. And until he calls me home, I'm going to do my best to preach his word. But he put me in this position to be a spiritual leader to the family of Marlbrook Baptist Church. I'm not trying to condemn anybody this morning. I'm honestly not. I'm not saying y'all bad people. I'm honestly not. I'm just trying to wake you up. God is not going to move in the lives of cold people who won't listen and respond. We've got a lot of big dreams around here. But until we learn to respond to the call of God, we might as well hang them up. If all we want is a little country club where we come here a nice message and soothe our conscience and go on home, we can do that. There's not going to be no rewards in heaven. There's not going to be any lives changed. Our family and friends are going to die and go to hell. Or we can get sensitive. sound mean and, and if I came across as harsh and mean I apologize my heart breaks when I see people that won't respond to the preaching of God's word get close to God folks get close to God and he will show you how little you are you will realize I need to be on that altar every service. But as long as we have the mindset, if nobody goes to the altar, he'll wrap this up soon and we can go eat dinner. We might as well cancel church. And honestly, I'm not interested in being part of a social club. I'm really not. So my prayer, folks, go home and seek the Lord. Maybe I did a terrible job delivering the message, but I know the Holy Ghost didn't do a terrible job of communicating it to you. Seek the Lord and say, Lord, let us take this warning seriously. And I promise you none of this was planned, so I'm finished. Brooke Holland, you dismiss us.